Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome back to the School of Last podcast. Rick Roberts here today. I'm on the road, and I've got two comics across the table from me, Adam White and Tim McClendon. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and we're going to talk to them a little bit about uh, putting on your own shows, putting on clean shows, and also uh, they both deal with comics in the booking role to put these shows on, so we're going to ask for a few tips on how comics can be a little easier uh, to book as well. We'll get to that in just a second. First, I just want to give a couple shout-outs to some folks that signed up for the online comedy class from School of Laughs in the past couple of weeks. Uh, thank you guys. It's Sandy, Dom, David, Matt, Brian, and William. Thank you all for taking the online class. Looking forward to seeing how that helps you guys out. Cool. Well, I'm not going to waste too much time because I'm in the humble abode of Tim McClendon, and Adam has made some time to stop by today. Uh, why don't you guys, I'll give them a little tiny snippet of what I know about you, but give them a little nugget to tell them a little bit about your background. Now, Adam, I met, gosh, you were probably working at the Comedy Caravan. Yeah, at the door. At the door when I came through with Midwest Comedy Tool and Die, like in the... Actually, it was after that. Just after I that. Just, I heard all sorts of great things, and so I was. At, it was at that point where they would mention your name and Midwest Comedy Tool and Die at the same time, and then eventually it just was just you. Gotcha. So it was that transition period. Okay, so that's good. been a good 15, 16 years at least. Yeah, 99 is when I started. Okay, and that's yeah. about, I guess I started, I moved to, moved to Nashville in 99, so I've been doing it for a few years before that. So very cool. And Tim, I met a couple of different times, uh, Christian Comedy Association for sure we met and also met when I popped by and did an interview with Tom Mabe at his offices and Tim had an office in that complex with Tom at the time. <laughs> the complex. I think Tom called it like the Googleplex. Like it was his vision of having like this, uh, you know, playing badminton in the middle of the hallway and stuff. Yeah, and Anyway. Yeah, so Tim's, Tim does a lot of cool stuff. Tim is doing a clean comedy series at comedy clubs, uh, mostly kind of down the Indiana, Ohio core door and he's doing those on saturdays yep they're they run saturdays and they're four o'clock at four o'clock so um so two very different things going on adam still works helping tom sobel book uh corporate events colleges whatever tom has going on yeah just base just whatever comes up you know we've been at wvu for 29 years now which is probably the longest kind of comedy the mountain layer the mountain layer, right? I've been there four or five times. Yeah, <laughs> man, I would not want to walk up that hill in the snow. Like any time I got booked for that, it was like a, an icy, snowy thing, yeah. and I'm like, oh, this is going to take an extra forty five minutes just to go to ten feet up that hill. Yeah. So that's been going on forever, huh? Yeah, it's like that scene in, in uh, Batman Begins where he's trying to get to the top of the mountain, and there's and he just turns around, and there's some guy who's like a native to Tibet, or he's like, he's like, turn around, turn around, go home, go home. It's not worth it. <laughs> That's cool. What other things does he have going on right now that's uh, consistent? Well, the main thing that we are working on right now are these fundraising shows for high schools. Um, you know, and to be honest with you, you know, uh, I mean, early on, I started working with him, I think, in about 2008. And it was exciting just to kind of, you know, my background before comedy was producing shows, like punk rock shows, and had a record label and stuff like that. So to be in a position where I was like, kind of on that side of comedy was pretty exciting um but it was a lot of it was just kind of booking shows that had been 
you know whatever came up but now we have this fundraising show for for high schools and it's pretty it's pretty exciting i mean to actually have sort of a goal you know like right it's I think it's a it's it's a lot more fun, you know, having something that you're actually trying to build. It's like your own little montage scene or something. Right, right, and that's kind of what Tim is building up here with the Clean Comedy series. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about that. What clubs are in, and, and how that whole thing evolved to where you actually got it up and off the ground. Yeah, well, I started Midwest Clean Comedy on the website as a fake credit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was just you know I put up Midwest Clean Comedy, put some like pictures up there and things like that, and then we did one show so it would be legit you know so i'm like yeah i'm part of the midwest clean comedy all-stars or whatever we did at the beginning <laughs> and then like all of a sudden the, the guy who created the site for us i created a contact and i started getting contacts from like churches and other places just i don't know because somehow we did well in the google search right for 12 minutes <laughs> so then we just started um one of the very first shows we ever did was at the improv uh here in louisville before it closed uh, we didn't close it down. Uh, that's not what I heard. <laughs> that's not what I heard at all. <laughs> but, I mean, it was really interesting. It was a Tuesday night, and we sold it out. But that was a lot of friends and family. So that was that was more of like, um, I wouldn't really call it like our first show, um, just because we had to work to get people. We didn't have to really work to get people there. Um, and then we started, um, we did a weekend, a full weekend at the Comedy Caravan. Um, so we did all the shows. And that was interesting because... Um, I don't know that it was booked very well because they asked us to come and do it, but it was um, St. Patrick's Day, and we have like this crowd that doesn't drink. Right. It's kind of like, you might want to think that through. <laughs> Go get you a shamrock shake and come back. Yeah, it was kind of like, they, were, you know, they probably could have made a lot more money if they would have brought in you know, O'Malley or something. Um, but, but you guys booked a, a, a group of comics for the entire week or different comics for each show? How'd no, that work? We did three, we did three comics, mm-hmm. and they, we were there all weekend. So it was the three all weekend. And it was the first time I ever closed a show at a club. And that was a really learning experience because it was one of those times where you're like, wow, I am not a club closer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to try it a few times to figure out what you are and what you're not. Yeah. So it was way too early on. And then we started booking theaters, um, worked with another comic for a little while, um, and I think one thing I learned from that is I don't really want to be like a promoter mm-hmm. of somebody else. You know, like I, it's there's only so much passion you have in your life, and so it's kind of hard to. So you know, I, I like to just work on my projects more than just. So we booked the theaters, and then, um, then we did uh, Morty's mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. We did three shows there, uh, two falls ago, and they went okay. Um, and then we. Uh, we decided to kind of back off a little bit. We did just one in February, and we sold that out. So we we sold out the Laughing Derby, Morty's, and we did fairly well at Wiley's, but it snowed that day, so not very many people showed up, but we sold a lot of tickets. Um, and then we went to Jacksonville. We did the Jacksonville Comedy Club. Um, we did Tulsa's Looney Bins, uh, which we were really excited about that. We sold that one out. Um, the manager was really complimentary really he wants to see more of that great across all the loony bins well in jacksonville we had uh you know a huge crowd and this is a this was a sunday four o'clock show so you know they're only there because you put it on that's yeah yeah yeah. the club wasn't even open on sunday right uh, i I think but uh that's true and you know i mean the club owner was just pretty you know was just pretty excited you know making money on a day that he wasn't going to make money but also, I mean, we probably had in one show more than he had on one night with a couple shows, mm-hmm. or maybe the, even the entire weekend. I don't know if that's true or not. It yeah. might be a lie. 
Well, that's interesting. And they had, and that so, that, and that's an afternoon. It's it's an odd time, but I yeah. guess it's the only time you can get the club to kind of say, "Hey, my, my my staff's kind of getting here anyway, and the kitchen should be open by then anyway for prep." Is that how it kind of? Yeah, so they, right. Because we're not taking away; we're only adding, mm-hmm. so it's worth the risk to them. I mean, that's that's pretty much how we sell it to them. Is we're just we're adding to your weekend, not taking away anything, you know? Because like if we if we wanted their first show, then they've still have to pay that headliner feature for right. the whole weekend. So, um, and also our crowd is a family crowd, so it's it's actually a really good time. We struggle a little bit more in the fall than we do in the winter because of soccer, uh, like little league soccer. Um, shows you how much I know about soccer. soccer. Well, yeah, little I mean, league. yeah, <laughs> I mean, little league AYSO, soccer. Youth soccer. Called, youth soccer. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's hurt us a little bit, but very uh, minor leagues. <laughs> <laughs> the Cal Ripken Soccer League. <laughs> right. So that's hurt us a little bit because of that four o'clock time. But most people, the feedback we get about the time is actually very positive when we send out our surveys because. Uh, you know the families like to to get there. They might eat something. You know, usually they have like a, you know, they usually they just get like a soda and a nacho. I mean, although they just sell some alcohol, but um, soda and nachos, and then um, they go out and do something else in the evening. So it doesn't really take away from, you know, um, the family. Like because you know, like the high schooler wants to go over to his friend's house or whatever. Right. So the four o'clock spot's actually fairly decent. No, as a parent, you know, I've got a ten and a three year old, and there aren't a lot of entertain live entertainment options that aren't super cheesy right and you know my 10 year old gets jokes like he would be totally into any of these shows you guys were doing um you know he can tell me which he tells me which one of my jokes don't work and that kind of stuff and (laughs) and then i'll say well you need to say something so i can put you in a joke (laughs) you know you gotta yeah what are you gonna do (laughs) that's right (laughs) but uh but that is good entertainment you know i've I've taken my son to see some shows in branson uh joey aiello i think you probably met him before he, he had a show going on at the jim stafford theater and I thought, well, this would be good to see if my son laughs at other guys. And, I mean, just to see. And at that time, he was eight. And he was rolling. Yeah. But the stuff that Joey's saying still hit me on a funny level, too. So has it been a challenge finding uh, comics that can not only be clean but also engaging to the younger set? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's probably the biggest struggle. Because the, the other guys will come in and... And they'll be like, "Oh, I can do it! I can do it!" You know, yeah, there's no problem. And then they see the kid in the front row, and they freak out. Honestly, mm-hmm. they're just and they, you can tell where they're going down somewhere, and then they're really unsure. And and honestly, we've heard that joke before, and we would be okay with that joke. And but they're unsure of it uh-huh. right in the moment, you know. And you're kind of like, "Ah, oh, go over this before, right?" <laughs> you know. And so, I've started to the shows I put on. As we, a lot of times we'll have three going on at the exact same time in three cities, so I'm not able to be at all of them. But I've started to gather everybody before and be like, "Hey, any questions about any of your jokes?" You no, know, it's just good. To kind of be, so that way, like they, they're not trying to think it through on stage. But yeah, so that's a lot of them freak out when they see the kids there, um, and then a lot of them just aren't relatable. And I keep telling them it's not that you need to be relatable specifically to the kid. Like you don't need to tell some kind of knock knock joke. Right. Although we've gotten that a few times. Um, really, what you need to do is just like it hit the family as a whole. You know, so mm-hmm. like mom, dad relationships, or I had a brother, you know, it's like take a joke that you, you might say like, oh, my friend and I were doing the stupid thing. Just say your brother and I were doing the stupid thing. And it kind of gets the kids more engaged because it's something relatable. It's not so much being a middle school comic. Right. As it is engaging the family as a whole. Well, that's what you said about, you know, I've got this Transformers joke where I actually try to transform on stage into a car. I've actually seen that before. I, and I'm surprised at the gas mileage you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just changing it slightly to make it. You know, I mean, it's just changing a couple words to say, uh, you know, like, 
my favorite cartoon growing mm-hmm. up was a Transformers, and uh, and then you know it, it feels better. It I think it connects better with the kids, but it also feels better for me. So I don't have like that little voice in my head saying, like, "Wow, you just kind of came out of nowhere with this." But one of the things that when we first started doing this, I, you know, I was a little worried when we you would look out in the audience. I mean, I was expecting to see like you know twelve year old, ten year you know. And sometimes people bring out like, you know, eight-year-olds and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and it turns out it's like I've had this little kind of evolution with comedy. It's like afterwards they come up, these little kids come up, and they're like so excited to meet you. And it's kind of made me think like I really enjoy doing that. It's much more enjoyable mm-hmm. to have a little kid who's like, like, oh, you were great, than to have some, you know, drunk guy or just somebody else come up and say, you're really funny. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, without a doubt, I mean, I love looking out, you know, I do some church shows, I do some other shows, fundraisers, sometimes they bring out kids and stuff like that, um, I, did, I recently did one up in Perry, Ohio, uh, by the lake, beautiful spot, fundraiser for a church, and there's some kids in the audience, and there's this little dude about seven, and on the way in, like, he was giving me the hairy eyeball, and like, hey, I don't even want to be here, you know, and, <laughs> I was kind of roaming around the table, just kind of meeting people before the show, and he just had his arms crossed. And then as the show went on, I looked out, and he was laughing and laughing. And I was headed out to my car to put my stuff away, and he he goes, hey, there he is. Hey, you're the biggest fan of me. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I think I know what you're trying to say. But I am a big fan of you, too. But it was, like, really cool. And and this is something, whether it's kids or adults or whatever, as a comic, you have to remember that sometimes you're the first live comedian ever somebody in the audience has ever seen probably every show that's a true statement that mm-hmm. somebody's their live environment for the first time you have a huge chance to have a big impact and you know be memorable and all these things and if you can i always try to put myself in that mindset before a show so that i kind of get extra amped up to be on my best you know because some people truly if i don't do well they're never coming back to see anybody right. <laughs> you know it's not to put too much pressure on you but it should excite you to the fact that you have that chance to make that imprint just like when you first saw, your first band you ever went to see yeah. you know those kinds of things stick with you your entire life so it's kind of a cool moment for those kids i'm sure well especially in clean comedy too because you're not just it's not just the crowd you're making that first pressure a lot of times you're the venue you're making that first impression on um and if you don't have a real quality show you're you know you're not coming back but i'm not coming back and rick's not coming back you know because they don't want you know especially if it's not high quality comedy mm-hmm. so what we've really tried to do is make sure we have always had a headliner that was strong enough um kind of cover to carry the show no matter what so that the venue is very happy and I, I you know we've talked to some of these clubs that because we've opened that door and um, the clubs are now like kind of going out and trying to find other ways to get that four o'clock show um so every club that we've ever been to is now filling whatever slot we were in they're trying to fill it all the time oh interesting and uh, some of the feedback we've got, like they've tried to do clean stuff and it hasn't been very clean, you know, and things like that. So I think, you know, you got to be really careful that whatever you present it as is what you're bringing and that it's, that it's quality. I would say another mistake that comics make, though, with when kids are in the audience is they try and, I don't know, that when you learn comedy, it could be polling the audience, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like the worst thing you can do with kids. Because they don't <laughs> because stop. They'll start on something or they don't say or anything. Or they don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you're kind of abusing this kid, you know, because you're kind of, you know, you ask them a question like, well, what's your favorite subject? And then they're kind of clam up and you're like, oh, no, it's not a big deal. I mean, I've seen comics just go on and on with this one kid and you just feel them clamming up more and more. Um, I, I think it's much better to be 
to like throw something out there, see if you get anything back, but then immediately move on. Right. The kids are sometimes like drunks in a show. <laughs> it's like they will just yell out something. Whether you're polling, I mean, if you poll the audience, they're definitely going to respond until you address them specifically. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're with their friends or whatever. I would think with kids, you would just say, raise your hand because that's what they're used to doing. And then if they don't raise their hand, they're not interested in responding. And if they raise it, they're going to be engaged. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think you just got to move quickly. That's that's what we've learned is some of these comics will just sit on something where they've asked a question and then they'll just sit on it and you're kind of like, man, just move on. You right. Know, just, and if you don't have, if you haven't, you know, I opened for Tim Wilson quite a bit and you know he pulled me aside because I told him I never do crowd work, you know, and he's like, well, that's stupid. You know, you should learn how to do it. And so he was kind of trying to help me over this three weeks I opened for him. And, you know, I mean, and he showed me really how to do it, which is, you know, like you go into the audience, but it's all pre-done. I mean, you know, your crowd work is all like, you know, if you'll be like, ah, oh, man, I love my grandma. You know, you got grandma or whatever. You better have like five jokes about grandmas that can just flow really fast. Mm-hmm. And I think with people with kids are shocked at like the responses they get and they're not ready to. So I wouldn't I would if you're not if you haven't been around kids a lot, I definitely wouldn't go into the audience. Right. You need to be careful, too, because. If it is like a drunk yelling something out in a nightclub, you know your job is to shut them down. And the crowd's with you on that. Yeah, but, but if a kid you can't shut down like an eight-year-old, <laughs> and if you do, the parent wants to hire you immediately to come home and shut them down all the time. <laughs> Can you get a? You want to ride to Florida with us? <laughs> you got to shut this kid down. Well, I like to ask the audience, like, what would you do with five hundred million dollars? You know, just because I have a joke that goes with it. I just want to see. Tim Wilson thought that was a good joke for me to go into the audience with so um you know and this girl last week she goes you know I'm like what would you and she would be like i'd buy and she wouldn't really say anything she was like i buy books i guess you know <laughs> <laughs> i was like and i was like on public speaking and then I, in my head i was like oh no like yeah. but then the parents really started laughing and her brother like hit her and you know like kind of a playful that's pretty so funny they, i was like Whew. Yeah, no, I've, I've been in those moments where you say something like, oh, that's, that could have been way too harsh, you know. Right. But but if it's coming out of honesty, and it was an honest thing, you know, you weren't slamming her, but it was a little little nudge. <laughs> you didn't push her off the cliff, but you showed her the view, you know. <laughs> Take a look. Well, I was a family pastor for eight years right out of Bible college, and so I've worked with kids my whole life because uh, I was in charge of the Sunday schools. And, you know, what, one thing I've learned about kids is most adults think they're stupid, I mean, that's just, and that's some of our comics have that pre, and so they'll tell some kind of dumb joke. But like you're saying about your son, like he's getting some of the stuff you're getting, and he's 10. Oh, they're and way more in, way so, more hip than you think. So there's one thing to not be like a graphic, mm-hmm. you know, and to you know, not use foul language. We always like to say, never tell a joke that the parent doesn't want, is not ready yet to explain to their kid. Right. You know, like if on the ride home, mm-hmm. I don't want to explain this, you know, because we're not at the talk yet. Yo, right? So I that's kind you. of our like rule there. But then I always try and tell the comics, these kids are way smarter than you think. I mean, if you're going to tell a, sh- a story about a grocery store or driving in a car, I mean, these are all things they do, too, mm-hmm. you know, as far as they're in the back seat. But, you know, they've been in a car before. You don't have to tell knock-knock jokes. Yeah, and it's funny. I, I got a, a Facebook thing, and I was tagged in it from a friend of mine. And I went to college, and he has an 11-year-old daughter. And I guess last night they were watching one of those ghost shows where you paranormal households or whatever. 
And she goes, I bet in 100 years when they find a ghost, it'll be texting and have a selfie stick and be taking a picture of itself. You know, <laughs> He's like, that's not bad, huh, Rick Roberts, for an 11-year-old. I'm like, well, not bad. Do you want me to run it by a real crowd? Let me see. <laughs> we'll see how she does. But, but that's, she had set up punchline and a tag and this little thought that she had. She's 11 and she's just on the couch watching a show. Right. So kids can process a lot of that stuff a lot, a lot quicker than you think, especially if you're not around them. Now, let me ask you, when you go to, um, and we'll do it for both of you guys, but when you book these shows, Adam, you book stuff at colleges, Tim, you're booking stuff in clubs for clean. What's, what's some things that comics can do to help you select them and A, like position themselves so that they're easy to find and B, how important is it that their online materials back up what they're claiming to be for your gig? Okay, well, there are comics that I would love to book who just don't have a website. Mm -hmm. And a website now doesn't have to be yournamecomedy.com. It can be yourname.tumblr.com. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, and you can literally have that done in 10 minutes. And for us, it counts as a website. It makes us as an agency, you know, it makes us, you know, look kind of bad if we're sending them a comic that doesn't have a website. Um, so that's that is probably the biggest thing that so and it doesn't have to be like an elaborate sure. thing. It just needs to have hopefully a video of you that's somewhat you know somewhat recent. Um, hopefully a picture of you. I mean, I can go and say further that I mean I would love to be able to go on your website and download or get a high res picture mm -hmm. instead of having to go into Photoshop and make it look you know and just hope it works out right. Um, and if you have your schedule on your website, it you know I'm not looking at your website and seeing that, like, well, you've only got two shows in November, and you know, and well, fine, maybe you know if you're the right person for the show, then good, that's good for us because you're you get open. 28 days open or whatever. You don't right? have to like lie on your schedule, mm -hmm. which I used to do early on. I was like <laughs> trying to, to make a lot it of look people. like I wonder how many gigs I missed because I was. Yeah, and then you find out you didn't even get asked to do a gig because you, on your website it says you were booked. You know, yeah. Like, oh yeah, moral victory, no money. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to me that you know once you decide you're going to make a stab at comedy and go for it that you don't have at least a Tumblr site or like Squarespace or some of these free, Wix. I mean Wix, Wix you, you yeah. can up, Wix I've just saw a friend of mine get in there and they've got all these plugins now. It's way bigger and better than it was a few years ago. I mean, you can have a, a shopping cart thing on there. Mm -hmm. It's got a pop-up to collect your email to send to your MailChimp or whatever. So, yeah, at the very least I'd, I'd imagine their bio, picture, a couple of options for pictures, right? A black and white or a color, a full body or a headshot depending on what ad yeah. or poster you want to make. Yeah, and uh, one of the things too, and this is something I've noticed, is it's like you know if if you have a, an email to somebody that says check out their link, and link is the word that's underlined and is the hyperlink. They click on that. They may not even look up and see that it's a Wix site mm -hmm. or a Tumblr site. It's just not. I mean, as long if they get there and they like Scott Long has a WordPress site, mm -hmm. and his site has tons of stuff on it. No one's going to go to his site and be like, oh, wow, look at this guy is working all the time, and he's got this great podcast, and he's doing all these things. Oh, but it's a WordPress site. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think that matters at all to anybody. You know, and I think 
they don't even they don't even think about it to be honest. Right. They, they just want to see what they're looking for, which is the picture or the video. Now, let me ask you guys on video because it's always interesting to get different takes. As a say, say somebody emailed you today and said, "Hey, I'm a clean comic. I heard about this thing on the podcast. Uh, take a look at my clip." What would you prefer to look at? How how long or what would it contain that would make you go, hey, I could book this guy or not? Well, I, for me, I would want it to be like the, the showcase set. I mean, I, so it's being like that five to seven minute continuous mm-hmm. clip. That would be my preference because with clean, I mean, everybody has a clean joke. I mean, I'm sure Andrew Dice Clay has a clean joke. Right. In me. Um, so I'd rather see, but also just to see how you would fit. Um, into our show so like you know, who can I put you with you know that would be a little bit of a variety in the show um, there's not tons of variety in clean comedy I mean there's just you know 90% of the clean comics are my wife and kids so uh, you know, <laughs> um, but I mean so, it's, so I would want to see about five to seven minutes I'm not as I'm not as good of a ta- like a talent scout as Adam is so I mean I would still run everything by Adam because uh, sometimes I'll see a comic and be like, man, this guy's great. And then I'll show him to Adam and he'll be like, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, that guy's been around for 30 years and, like, you know, has never. So, yeah, I, I still rely have pretty heavily on Adam for that. Well, you know, being in, in 2006, I, well, I moved back from Chicago in 2005. In 2006, I started up, you know, the kind of the main open mic. and But it was also a sh- that's a place where comics would showcase for the agency. So mm-hmm. I was that, you know, I, I was kind of a gatekeeper. Um, so I was always having to watch them, and I would always watch their sets. Um, and But also as far as watching videos, you know, I've had, I get so many videos emailed to me. Uh, my favorite ones are the ones that don't even introduce themselves. Uh-huh. They just say, you know, so-and-so from in the subject line, hey, it's Kevin from Cleveland. And then there's a link to a video because they're so easy to to delete. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if I'm actually like watching a video, um, you know, if I make it past you know sixty seconds or a minute and a half, then I'm interested. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, I mean, you, comics who have been around long enough, they can look at a comic and they can tell right away, you know, if they look comfortable on stage, if they're if their jokes are actually well written. Right. Because uh, it's much easier to just hit record on a camera than it is to actually write a good joke or to get all of that experience performing. Yeah, and so uh, one thing I'm hearing there is make sure the first 90 seconds is attention grabbing, good stuff. Yeah, you know, and ideally maybe from the introduction right onto the stage and your opening lines to see how you take control of the room and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And just let it roll. No, and no editing. I mean, it's good to have those sizzle reels for promotion and stuff, yeah. but not necessarily to get the gig. Right. If, if, if your website has six 45-second clips on it, mm-hmm. then it makes me think that there's probably some stuff that you edited out of that show. Right. <laughs> I, think, I think, too, like, like we've taken some risks on some comics that we weren't 100% positive out. And... But we still wanted to give them a chance, so we gave them less time. So you said, "When you come in here and you do, you know, twelve minutes or whatever, and that's all we'll give them, um, even some less, just because we weren't real sure about them." And that seemed to really frustrate them, you know, like, "Oh, I'm I've gotten to this level where, you know, I, but I mean, I don't understand how I'm supposed to just trust that you can do this family show." So I think, I, to me, like I've always been willing to go and do those 
showcase opening set just to get you know so the club or the booker was familiar with me but it seems like in this genre of comedy in like the Christian clean that's sort of frowned on I think by a lot of comics like you should just trust them yeah you know what I think if the comics take a step back and put themselves in your guys' shoes, I mean, they don't realize how much time and effort you've put into getting this off the ground. They don't realize how much uh, trust you're borrowing from the club to let you have that space. And so to me, it's, it's a natural no brainer that, you know, you got to build a rapport with these people that are booking you, especially if they've never met you before or seen you live. I mean, I won't give any recommendation to any comic where I haven't seen the full set. So if they're asking, if, hey, would you recommend me to headline this place? If I've never seen you do an hour, then I can't recommend you. If I've seen you do 30 minutes, I can recommend you to feature. Because like yeah. I've been burnt two or three times yeah. where you know somebody said, hey, I, I threw your name in. I'm like, you did? Oh, oh. I might not be able to go back to that club now. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's not that I don't like those comics or don't think they can do the job. I just want to make sure I can see it because my reputation is on the line now, just mm-hmm. like your guys is, when you start putting these people in these clubs. So yeah. you know, comics, if you're thinking about trying to get in with some people, just – you realize that a paid spot on a book show that's 12 minutes is better than no spot on no show yeah. you know and that 12 minutes if you do exactly what you say you can do will probably turn into the 30 and over the course of time end up being a headliner spot if you stick with it right right yeah. and yeah and i i don't know i i think that to, to me it's a sign a little bit that you're not in a good community like um for for me i feel like i have like a lot of people around me you know, I, I know for sure, I can tell you this without any hesitation, that I am not a headlining comic, club, you know, club comic guy. Because that Friday night second show, I can't handle it. Right. You know, like, I can feature there and then run off the stage <laughs> and <laughs> hope the headliner can calm right. these eight people down that are making out in the front row. But I can't. All eight are making out like <laughs> yeah. in one big thing. Like, I can't handle that. I mean, and it's just, it's not my thing. And. I think I don't know that I would believe that because I can do an hour in church, like great, but like I have like a good community of people around me who kind of keep me grounded on you know where I'm at and then challenge me to you know. So I mean, that's one thing I would suggest is if if you're feeling like us or anybody else is not booking you or it should be just trusting you for more, maybe get around a bunch of people who are a little more honest. Well, one about of your set. That's a good point. One of the things that makes us a little bit different than what a normal show is. Let's say you. You're doing a guest set on a show, and you know, um, and the headliner is, you know, Etta May or or whoever it might be, or Rick Roberts. You know, you're on the Rick is on the poster, Etta May is on the poster. You're just doing a guest set. If you go up and you do something inappropriate, well, they're going to forget about you. With our shows, it's all about the brand. Mm-hmm. It's not at the top of the poster. It's Midwest Clean Comedy or the family fun night or something like that so you know it's if you go up there and be inappropriate you know they're you're affecting our brand Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of effort put into maintain that brand um and i think a lot of comics um just and i know that myself like you know early on if i was only had only been doing it for a few years i would make the same mistakes because I hadn't really ever thought about the business side. I thought I knew about it. Mm-hmm. But getting to actually see, oh, wait, this really is a business. It's not just show up and be funny no matter what. Um, you know, you've got people who, like you said, put a lot of time into it and worked hard for this. And this is their future. This is their career. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things I try to impress upon 
comics a lot, especially in the classes and stuff, is the, I mean, we all have those mistakes that we learn from. And I mean, for probably nine years, I kept thinking that my job was to blow the headliner out of the water. <laughs> right? I mean, that was, you know, at any level, I was like, until I get to that spot, my job is to make, you know. And then as I got to be a headliner, the karma came back around really quickly. And he's like, oh, I see how this works. The uh, whole show is not good now, but 30 minutes of it is. <laughs> and it, I mean, I can't even tell you how many comics I probably never got to work with again because I was not thinking about the total show. And the show has to, to evolve and build. And flow and my role in that show and but here's another thing no no bookers ever sat down and told me that either no bookers ever sat down and said well there's well, there were two cases i can think of right now but um with, with the exception of those two times they never sat down and said hey uh, you can dial it down a little bit for this set we like you already you don't have anything else to prove but the entire show needs to flow better so maybe you know don't do this particular bit or take the guitar out it's a, you know sometimes the guitar is not a good fit and I can say that now, but at the time, just nobody told me. Like, yeah. another comic said, yeah, go up there and rock that, st-, you know. And whether I did or didn't, my goal wasn't even in line with the entire process of the night being successful. Because if they walk out of there and the last hour wasn't good, but the middle 30 was, well, they're probably not going to come back because right. a majority of that night was not good. And so whether you're a comic doing a 12-minute, 30-minute, hour spot, whatever it might be, the brand that you're under, you know, is, is as important or more important than your particular set within that show. And that's that's tough for comics to hear because a lot of comics are like, hey, it's freedom of speech and it's, no, I no. should be as funny as I want to be. <laughs> and there are places where that's totally fine, you know. But if you, within – it's just, you know, just like doing a corporate event or a college show, there's expectations that are put upon you as a professional as well as being the funny person. And so sometimes it's worth it to, to step back and even ask those questions if you're unsure – you know, what's my role on this show? You know, how, should I go all out or how important is my time? All those things. Just to let the person that booked you know that you're interested in doing the right thing. Well, the other, from the booking side, um, sometimes those are just bad bookings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember when I first started at working the door at Comedy Caravan, you know, we had Greg Hahn coming in and featuring and then afterwards, you have somebody going up there, just like a monologist. Who's yeah, just Stephen gonna, Wright following <laughs> exactly. Greg Hahn. Hey, uh, that guy was uh, high energy. But uh, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I made the worst mistake ever. And I, this is um, before Mike Birbiglia was known. Mm-hmm. At this point, I think he was just writing for the MTV Video Awards or whatever it's called. I was working at the Skyline Comedy Cafe in Appleton, a club I'd worked many times, and I felt really comfortable there. Uh, they, The booker asked me, you know, well, basically, who do you want to work with? And Doug Stanhope was one of the acts, and I love Stanhope. Um, so I was like, that's the show I want. So I went up there. It turns out Stanhope just got the man show for that brief period that they did that. But his feature act, Andy Andrist, stayed on the show. So Wednesday night, I went up in a comfortable room, you know, and I just had a great, great show. Andy Andrist goes up, and he's Doug Stanhope's feature act. Mm-hmm. He's filthy. He's hilarious. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a mini Stanhope. Mm-hmm. And then Mike Birbiglia had to go up afterwards. And me being only in comedy for three or four years at this point, I'm trying and I know that Mike works clean because I asked him I, I said uh, Mike you know I saw him just look with this weird look in his eyes he's watching Andy and uh-huh. I was like Mike don't you work you're like totally clean and he's like yeah so I thought 
here's what I'll do. I'll go up on stage between and I'll try to ease them into. So here's me easing them into that. I walk up on stage after Andy. Keep it going for Andy Andrews. Ah, the entire sold out room just goes nuts. It's like, all right, are you guys ready for some clean comedy? (laughs) (laughs) And the audience literally shouted, no. (laughs) And I didn't know what to do. So I said, please welcome Mike Burbiglia. (laughs) What a great job, Adam. Well, afterwards, (laughs) afterwards, Mike ended up like, Ending his show like 15 minutes early. The uh-huh. wait staff hadn't even dropped checks yet. It was a, the most unprofessional thing I've ever done. Afterwards, he comes up to me. At first, he seemed like he was just speechless because <laughs> he looks at me and he's just like trying to find the words. And he's like, and he just says, "Man, don't ever do that to someone." <laughs> yeah. And I felt so so terrible. Yeah. But and this is how great of a guy he is. Despite that, and the, and we were sharing a condo. Um, say Friday night, we all went out. The club went out. We all went to some place to go dancing and drinking. And I was on the dance floor, probably, I'm sure, looking like an idiot. But one of my lenses fell out of my glasses. And, and then, you know, the music is, you can't even talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. But I shouted, I just lost one of my lenses. And I'm looking around. And of all the staff and all the other people that I knew there, only one person stopped and looked down and actually held something up. And it was Mike Berbiglia who stopped and found my lens on a dirty, nasty dance floor and said, here you go. Are you ready for some clean lenses? (laughs) (laughs) Are you guys ready for... No. (laughs) But don't you think that is true that that's like the reason that you need that community of people around you? Because you're saying, you know, like, I mean, he felt small because he recognized it. But then to me, you get these people... Yeah, like in my life, I have people who are who are much farther along in comedy than I am. That I, I kind of go back and forth with. I have people, you know, on tour records. Guys, his name's Ross, uh, Duncliffe. He's you know he's he's been in the business side of it for a lot longer. He's he was a comic, but he's been on that business side for a long time. So you have all these people that you can really sound stuff off of. And then when you get to the point where you talk to someone like Adam at TSM Artists or you want to do one of our Midwest Clean Comedy shows, you pretty much have, you know what to say. You're sort of in the driver's seat a little bit because you, you know, because, you know, I never make a call to like a club or, you know, a book or anybody without having talked to somebody else. But what would you suggest in this situation? I think that's, that's really benefited me quite a bit because, you know, I mean, if, if somebody that we already know and you say, well, I was talking to that person, and they were saying that you were doing these kinds of shows. It is going to make me feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, there needs to be some kind of rapport, like just like Adams getting the emails with the video clip with no context at all. Exactly. Hey, Jerry from Cleveland or whatever. <laughs> you know, that it's it's amazing to me that some of those emails even get sent. Like, how do they not yeah. realize? Uh, I mean, we've seen we've seen people post stuff on on Facebook and stuff. There was there was some guy that. Every time I post anything, he would post a book the pregnant man. Like he's <laughs> what? I don't know what if you have you seen these No. And he's he spammed like hundred and fifty times in two days, he just like in my inbox, like book me, put me on your show, book me, put me on your show. And like he there was no, hey, how you doing? How you know, this is what I do. It was like put me on my show. How can you hook me up? It was like no no paying it forward or even setting the stage for any kind of context at all. <laughs> just 
And so the pregnant man, I'm sorry, dude. Um, hope you got a house full of babies, but <laughs> you know, at least he could probably do your show. He can talk to kids. Yeah, hey. that's right. Well, there's some people that I noticed when I was uh, when I was running the open mic and the showcases and watching them and stuff like that. There would be people who came in. I remember one guy specifically who came in and. You know, Comedy Caravan back in the 80s was a big, big deal. Mm -hmm. Now it's, you know, it's a little bit, it's very, very different. You know, um, not as many shows. I mean, because it's not the comedy boom or whatever. It doesn't matter. But the point is, is this guy came in and he went up and did a show and he came off stage as soon as he was done. He's like, and he was like, he wanted to know if he had passed like the Johnny Carson test or whatever. And and he wasn't good, and I was like, "Well, man, uh, it put me on the spot." But I was like, "It's like, well, yeah, yeah." There was some funny stuff there. I'm just trying to find something mm-hmm. to say, and and he's like, "Oh man, but I was sick. I've been sick all day." And this guy thought that he was going to do one show and it was going to break open his right. career and that we were going to turn him into a comic. And if he had just emailed and asked. Mm-hmm. He would find out that that wasn't at all the case. Yeah, there's a lot of, I don't know when you, because there's no particular unified comedy association that says this is kind of how you do things. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much trial and error with new comics. I think the tips you guys have given today uh, should at least sort some of those things out. If nothing else, you know, listen to what Adam and, and Tim said about your your online web presence with your videos and some downloadable bios, just some easy stuff to make it. Uh, more easy for the bookers and, to book you, and right? Can I jump in and, mm-hmm. and say that a lot of people think they have to, like when I started, I needed headshots. I hired a professional photographer. I went into the studio. Right now, you really, especially if you're just an MC or sometimes just a feature, you know, you know somebody with a good camera. Even just have somebody with an iPhone in a well lit room in a white background. Just take a bunch of pictures. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go out and... I mean, every, MCs are broke, usually. You don't have to spend $150 on this. Just take some... And it's going to be fine. You're, you're going to be the smallest picture on the poster. <laughs> yeah, and your phone takes better pictures than 10 years ago when you went exactly. in. And paid. I mean, it's really, it's really disturbing how, how many flaws you can see in a person's face with an iphone picture now and i know you've asked uh, <laughs> you make it personal <laughs> you've asked us a lot of questions on like you know how to get booked and stuff like that but i, I will just sort of a side note and you can edit this out i guess but <laughs> it's in now but, for sure like, we've had so much fun meeting all these comics i mean there's i mean so we're, we're trying to give like good feedback you know like one of the things that like my pet peeves is like after, like right in the middle of the show, don't act, ask me about your act. You know? It's like I got other stuff I'm thinking. Didn't about. you get asked while you're on stage or something? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I, that was funny. I, I went back up because I'll host a lot of the shows because we'll bring in a lot of comics. Kind of like that idea of like, you know, hey, my name's Tim Clinton. I brought some of my friends, kind of a thing. And yeah, I got out, this guy said like, hey man, did I go over my time? I mean, I was like shaking his hand and, and I went to like go to the mic to be like, hey, give it up for this comic, and he was like. Trying to get feedback yeah, exactly. in front of the entire crowd. He back. He's like, right, did I go over my time? Was that okay? And I'm like, man. Yeah, just let it, let it breathe, brother. But, <laughs> but we've had so much fun getting to know all these comics, too. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, stories like that are kind of fun. <laughs> you know, right. I, mean, I wouldn't suggest you do it. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. But we've had, we've had tons of fun. We've done like 42 shows. That's incredible. Yeah. I, and I think one of the things, too, is like a lot of the comics that we've had book local shows so they go and they paper their town and they do all this well that doesn't work 
when I live in Louisville and I'm doing a show in Tulsa, mm -hmm. you know, and so we, what we're trying to do is learn how to market these outside of, you know, like a local guy, you know, in the show. And we've been successful, um, you know, in these cities that we have nothing, you know, no contact in just other than the idea. Yeah, I mean, I, you um, sold out, sold out, to, and I, I say this because I wasn't part, I wasn't immediately part of mm -hmm. this gig or whatever. Tim sold out the Tulsa Looney Bin, uh, never had been there, lives, I don't know how many hours away, 10 hours or something, I guess, yep. um, and sold it out. You know what? Yeah, it was great. What we might want to do is come come back and if Tim's willing to share any of those tips on marketing and stuff for you guys to do your local shows, uh, do another episode on on that because we really haven't touched on the marketing episode in the in this particular podcast uh, in the School of Laughs, and I think that'd be a, a pretty cool one. Yeah. You know, not to give away all your secrets, but if there's any general things, <laughs> you know, we don't need 35 mid Midwest, Southeast, Northeast, <laughs> Northwest, Southwest clean comedy circuit. Yeah, but hey, yeah, it's witchcraft, basically. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, some of those things could apply to other, other other niches for sure, and all that stuff. So we'll definitely try to get you on the hook for that next time around. Uh, we're running a little bit long, I want to say thanks for Adam and Tim. I kind of sprung this on them two days in advance that I'm passing through, and they made time to make it happen. So if they want to check out the Midwest Clean Comedy, is it MidwestCleanComedy.com? Yep, and we do have a place in there they can contact us if they're interested in being a part of the show. Yeah, so if you think you've got a clean set and you want to send them a link, uh, don't just send it like Adam said. Send it and say, hey, I heard it on the podcast, and I think it might be a good fit. Take a, take a look. Yeah. yeah Sound good. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Appreciate you opening your home, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. See ya. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.